Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Snuggly Bunch, according to the Pararex chat room. <laughs> Snuggly Bunch. Yep, that's what they call me. So anyways, I am Rod Pollock, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, joining me today, is not Steve Parson. No, 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 no. He's in the land of the Green Dragon, or the Green whatever in Ireland is. And I have the best, next best thing, someone much better looking with a lot more hair than him, my soul sister, Laura Worcester. Hey, Ron. How's it going? Oh, wow, that was... Hi, Ron. How's it going? Hi. Okay. Hi, Ron. How's it going? <laughs> yes, well, here we go. And, and joining us always from the land of whatever dragons they have in Scotland is my favorite spiritualist medium from Scotland, Stephen Scott. Hi there. Hi, Ron. Hi, Laura. Yeah. Hi, do you, Stephen. Uh, what, what dragons do you do have in Scotland? Do you have a dragon? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, we just call them the English, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think we have any dragons that I'm aware of. I have a mother-in-law. That's close. Um, oh, uh, I hope she's not listening. <laughs> well, you know, the English have the white dragon and the, the Welsh have the red dragon. I was just curious. Maybe you had a multicolored or something. I don't know. Um, but anyways, I just... Nice monster. That's well. I heard he moved to uh, England after the uh, vote. He came back up. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I just saw you guys uh, whooping the English's ass in uh, Braveheart again, so that was exciting. Oh dear. Yeah. You never saw Braveheart? Yes, I've seen Braveheart. Yes. Uh, what about you, Laura? Oh, of course, I've seen it many times. Highly right. inaccurate, but it's very good. <laughs> Well, how do you know? Highly inaccurate. They, they, hist- history is written by the victor. So, I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, it could have really happened that way. We don't know. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure it did. It's just everyone's teeth were not that white. Ah, there you go. <laughs> that's the first clue right there. <laughs> that's it right there. <laughs> anyway. For those who don't know, uh, Stephen came over here uh, this past September for uh, Spirit Quest, and, and my good friend Laura never got a chance to meet you, did you, Laura? No, no, I work at Circles of Wisdom in Andover, Stephen, and I missed you because I was in New York the whole week that you were there, oh. and I heard so many great things about you, and I was so sad to miss you. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'd love to have met you, Laura, when I was over there. Uh, yeah, that, that's a shame. That's a shame. That's come back. <laughs> I will. We'll try. That's a shame. <laughs> well, t- to be honest, I think my wife and I fell in love with New England when we were over there very mm. much. So I'm I'm sure even we'll come over for a holiday at some point. <laughs> Excellent. I, I totally corrupted him. Absolutely. He absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, she came over here. The first thing she had to do was go to Whole Foods. By the time she left, she was eating raw meat with her teeth. That's right. <laughs> what is... Oh, is your wife vegetarian? <laughs> she's well, not. She, 
Well, she, she she kind of was. She she didn't eat a lot of meat, but by the end of it, yeah, we were sitting down to steak tips and everything. <laughs> she was like, you know, there's nothing worse than a fallen angel. But <laughs> no, uh, I was I, I was scared. I'm just glad there was a big bowl of steak tips because she may have just continued across the table like me. I'm not sure. <laughs> she must have been really enjoyed it then. Oh, yeah, she did. She had a great time. She really did. It was amazing. Met so many fantastic people. Oh, nice to hear. So anyway, Stephen, I sent you out to do a quest for me, and you failed miserably on me. Yes, I'm sorry, Ron. I get quite... It's that old... I don't want to say it's that old dog because that's a bit um, sick but uh, I get caught in traffic I actually left two hours early to travel 30 miles and I get caught in traffic and was almost late to the charity event that I was doing so it was just it was was just bad bad traffic (laughs) nose to tail for 17 miles basically you you should get a traffic engineer to help you out you think I would have seen it coming to be honest (laughs) No, it's the one thing that no medium or psychic has any control over, you know, the weather and traffic. That's so true. Oh, my God. So, Laura, you don't know what we were talking about, but uh, I came across this thing. uh, What was the name of the bridge? Uh, Overton. What is it? Overton. 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 Aye. It's spelt O-V-E-R-T-O-U-N. Over yeah. And in the past 50 years, 50 dogs have jumped to their deaths after this bridge. No. Yes. True story. I'm not making this up. They actually yeah. see them do that? Yeah, their owners are right there. There's one dog that jumped twice. <laughs> twice? Yeah, he survived. He survived. They, I don't know why, but a stupid owner brought him back to the bridge and he jumped off again, not making it this time. Oh, my goodness. Sounds like a faulty design. Uh, You know, the interesting thing about it is there are all kinds of theories about it, and nobody can really understand it. I mean, they had a pet psychologist saying, well, you know, dogs can't really see, so they just jump over, jump up on the thing. They didn't really see the 50-foot drop on the other side and just jump to the desk, but nobody knows why they would be jumping over it. And then somebody says, well, their their smell is really good, so they might have smelled a mink's uh, colony at the base of the bridge and went after it, and because uh, their eyes are good, they, they, they didn't realize it was 50 feet down. Uh, but then again, uh, they, they uh, found out there were no minks at the bottom of the bridge and then there was a two couple of other there oh suicide that was the other one uh, dogs committed suicide and then again uh, the, the, the dog's brain don't have the particular lobe that uh, would uh, uh, that the, the humans have that that allows us to commit suicide and so uh, it, it was uh, it was interesting. Then the final one was uh, was paranormal, uh, that the, the bridge is haunted because the house uh, is haunted and the wife of the fellow who dis- built the house uh, has been seen on the bridge many times. So there you go. So, you so I like said... The owner ahead. is over the side of the bridge waving a piece of raw meat? Is that what... Oh, so probably, I don't know, probably scared the crap out of them or, or jumped to protect their owner. Jumped to protect their owner or who knows, you know. Uh, but oh, it's, it's, that's it's awful. Yeah, but it, it, isn't it strange, though? I mean, it, it's... It is. It's very strange. I've never heard of such a thing. 
No, it has. Leave it to me and Ghost Chronicles to yeah. find this bridge. <laughs> Did you get the other link I sent you as well, Ron? About the father? About the what? I sent you a link about a father who believed his child was possessed and threw his child off the bridge. Really? No, I didn't see yeah, that. I sent you a link. Uh, a father was convinced that his uh, child was possessed by a demon or the devil and threw his child off, took his child to that bridge specifically for that purpose. Oh, my goodness. And that, 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 that was recently. I think it was within about, I think it was 2007. Oh, you know, I did see that link in my message, but I didn't read it. I'm sorry to say ah, that. Ah, right, right. Well, yeah, that's know, what it was about. Oh, very good. I will have to read it now. In fact, it's got a very post- macabre history, this bridge. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's interesting. Why a place? I mean, so I sent Stephen here, of course, and I <laughs> was wondering if he was going to show up for the show afterwards, but... Uh, <laughs> you did warn me not to take my dogs, which was nice of you anyway. You did. <laughs> Are your wife? Well, you know. <laughs> but the, uh, I mean, as a... I wonder if, you know, has any mediums ever gone to that bridge and, and what kind of things they would pick up? Is I mean, you guys are both mediums. I mean, would you pick up something in an area like that uh, with that type of history? Well, uh, I think it would be impossible not to pick up on just the the sorrow that you would experience there. If I mean, just taking yourself into that moment as a pet owner, if you were to stand there and watch your dog jump... 50 feet and mm. know that the chances are it's not going to get back you're going to leave quite a an, an impression behind with you a lot of fear a lot of trauma and I suspect that there's a lot of that there I will get to it Ron and I'll, I'll write you an email and just let you know what I find and when I do that uh, might even be able to go up this weekend to be honest um, but uh, I will write you quite a detailed email uh, with anything that, I, that either we pick up or we feel up there I know oh, that's cool. like four days too late. I'm sorry, but that's uh, all right. we can always talk about it another time. Do you have know. some pictures too? I will do. Uh, yeah, we'll take the camera and get lots of photographs. I will. I just say I will leave the dogs behind. Though I'm not taking the chance. Yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> La- Laura, what do you think about that? I mean, would you pick up something if you weren't there? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we always have that, you know, that knowledge that oh, you know, different mediums pick up different things and who knows you know one medium might pick up the sorrow of someone present day um who might have had an incident there with their dog but then we might pick someone else might pick up the history of a hundred years ago so who knows it could be you know place history people could pick up and things like that so mm-hmm. i mean there's going to be something about the design of the bridge is what i'm assuming I'm, i don't always like to go for the ghost idea of it <laughs> there must be something else as well you know I don't know. That's the thing. I want to <laughs> know. I don't know. That's my problem. But why, why does it have to be a ghost thing? It could be a design thing, too. No, no. I, I gave you other alternatives, <laughs> other alternative things, and uh, design thing. That may be one. You're right. But uh, to make the dogs actually go and jump over the ledge is, you know, uh, all I don't know why they would do that. Uh, it's, it apparently all happens in a localized area of the bridge as well. It's, mm. it's not across the whole bridge. It's in one specific section. Mm. So there, there could be something that we're not hearing. There could be some sort of infrasound there that's affecting them in some way. That's so right. Maybe it's maybe it's a portal there. You know, a portal to another world or another realm. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. 
Yeah, that would be interesting to see some pictures, and we can see what we can get. We can read off the photos as well. So right. we'll see. Yeah, well, we gave, I gave Stephen another job to do, and he failed me once. We'll see how he does this time. I let you down. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen, I'm sure you're a very busy man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. So, Stephen... So, uh, um, if I could ask, if I could ask, I love to hear the stories of how mediums found their gift. So, how did how did you know that you were a medium? Well, it's uh, you saw you know. It kind of just it just developed with myself. Um, I've, I've I've always been empathic. You know, when I was younger, you, mm-hmm. I was just empathic. I, I was very much in tune with that ability to tune into our own human senses and know when something's wrong in a room or someone's had an argument before you walk in and that kind of thing. You know, if my parents had had an argument, then I would know before I walked into the room. Just by walking into the room, you would just sense there was something wrong in the air. And that's a mix of being open to information physically, you know, seeing changes in body language and uh, the, the manner and the way people speak, as well as being more attuned on a, a, a kind of more clear a clear audient level, a clear sentient level in some way. And I just attribute that to being empathic on all levels, not just taking in physical information. Um, and as I grew up, uh, the way it really started for me was I was always a very compassionate child. I always wanted to do things for other people. And I believe it's that aspect of compassion that first kick-started it off in me because I was always helping people out, I was always doing things for others, you know, helping out at home when I could and uh, with friends and things. Then I got into martial arts and I started to do a lot of meditation and stuff. And this is all round about when I was eight. I took a great interest in Eastern philosophy when I was about eight, nine years old through martial arts. And as that started to develop and as I started continuing with that type of training and then getting more into the, the, the more kind of esoteric or... Mental aspects of martial arts training. As as that developed through the years, the level of information that I was receiving and the empathy that I had was increasing with it. And eventually, I started doing a martial art which Ron knows quite well called Aikido. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that for about 24 years now. And Aikido is a very defensive art. It's all about protecting yourself, and it's about non-violence more than just slapping people about and punching them in the face. And that itself brought more compassion out. Through that, I wanted to learn how to heal, so I studied healing arts like Shiatsu, uh, a, a little bit of Reiki and some spiritual healing, and it all just seemed to blend together. So there wasn't any one point I can say this is how it happened. I then started to develop it. I went to see a medium once, and I, I thought it was all baloney. Um, <laughs> but hey, I like baloney. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's Bologna. Sorry, I keep getting confused. Um, but uh, and she told me to go and look at this and develop it because there were people in spirit want to work with me to develop this. And I, I knew this lady by reputation. That's not something she was known for saying. It was quite out of the blue for her. So I, I went and eventually found my way to a spiritualist church, started to sit in circle and started to develop. And it just started to build from that point. So I, I honestly can't lock down to say there was one event or, I, you know, I've, I've been seeing things walking through my bedroom as a child. Maybe I have, I don't remember. But 
I was certainly very empathic, very open, and very considerate and caring to others. And I believe it's that compassion that kickstarts the mediumship from my perspective. And that I believe that's where it started somewhere when I was younger. Ah, well, that makes sense because it, you know, it's funny. We, um, you know, through my development, I've I've learned so much about um, what what is it? What what like for example, what chakras do we focus on? to um, develop and things like that. And a lot of people at the beginning, when they're first developing, they think it's like their third eye. Um, some people think it's the third chakra. But the more that I've learned, the more that I realize it's more the heart chakra than anything else. So that makes perfect sense with what you're saying, the compassion and the open-heartedness that, that opens you up to the spirit side of things. Yeah, that makes yeah. Sense. Because I firmly believe is that in, in order to get the best out of your work, you, you have to actually care about the people you're working for. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, you really need to have that if you just turn up and you're, you're not wanting to help people or do anything for them then all you're doing is kind of I suppose showing off a little and I find the energy doesn't work well like that you get it but it's bitsy and it's fragmented and um, it's one of the hardest things that we have when we're getting people to develop is they, they get something right and then you see the ego want to kick in a little you know, I've got something right, I must be fantastic at this. And then it all <laughs> falls away from them again, and they don't understand yeah. why. It's because they've lost the compassion for what they were doing, and they need to go back and find that again. Oh, so true. Yeah. I've always said that ultimately life, you trust your heart. That's the, the key mm-hmm. to being who you are. But I, I just wanted to mention one thing on that uh, dog thing. Uh, Nate actually came up with an idea It actually is fairly plausible. Uh, if it was windy, perhaps the dogs heard something like a dog whistle and wanted to get away from it or was drawn to it. Um, that's it's possible. Idea. There could be drainage gaps within the brickwork yeah. at the ground level, and it could be that because it doesn't happen to every dog. Otherwise, there'd be a warning sign or someone would have had to have acknowledged it. So I'd, I, I'm kind of with that. I think there's some sort of sonic thing, infrasound or whatever going on, and it happens at a certain point. Mm. Uh, and I don't know how or why, I don't know enough about that. Steve's possibly the best one to speak yeah, to about that. Yeah, we'll have to get him up there too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's dying. He's scared to go up to Scotland now. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's something to do with sound. It has to be. Uh, I remember reading one article where a lady said she's, her dog actually turned around, looked at her and whined, and then jumped off the bridge. She watched really? it happen. Yeah, which would make me suggest there's some sort of noise thing or something happening there uh, as well you, you know yeah that would make more sense it's something that there's a flaw with the design that we can't perceive but the dogs can that makes mm-hmm. perfect sense yeah that was, I wonder if there's some kind of a device that can record sounds that we can't hear yeah absolutely Steve Steve Poskin can do all that it's his mm-hmm. first yeah he's got some amazing equipment yeah, amazing gear he can, he can okay. handle that no sweat actually We'll get this problem solved right away. <laughs> I will. I mean, I, I'm, this is my goal now. I am tracking down why this is happening, and yeah. I want to save, save the all these all these little uh, lassies. You know, I, that's my job in life. Yes, and then we can supply them with earmuffs every time they go for a walk over, oh, the, shit. <laughs> over the bridge. <laughs> Save the doggies. Yeah. Or they could just put up a mesh fence at the side. Do you know what I mean? I'm surprised oh, that's not that's, happened. <laughs> you know, that it's not that. I think it's within private grounds as well of Overton Castle. So yeah. you have to go into private grounds. So they're obviously 
you know, I think they might be against that. But um, anyway, yeah. But no, that's a good idea from Nate. That is a good idea. It, it could, I, I believe it's something to do with sounds we can't perceive, mm-hmm. to be honest. Well, we'll it's the only it. rational explanation I can think of. But, you know, I, I want to mention something, and I had perhaps my most par- uh, profound paranormal experience this past weekend, which uh, it's, uh, I still can't figure it out, and I've been scratching my head for since it's happened. Okay, and, tell. We must hear. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting that uh, I do these tours for uh, Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, and we do they're haunted tours, and, you know, uh, it's a an hour and forty five minute tour, and all the money goes to the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse for take care of and, and repairs of the lighthouses. So things have been uh, getting interesting. Uh, this year, I saw um, the apparition of a woman um, while on the tour, and so that that happened. And then. Um, this year, uh, well, we had a couple other things too, but uh, this past Friday night when I did the tours, we do three tours a night. In the second tour, we were at the end of the tour and I was collecting the equipment at the lighthouse. And I, I usually collect it at the gate, but I, I said, I'll, I'll do it there. So I said, anybody who has any EF meters or dowsing rods, please hand them to me. So people started handing me the EMF meters and the dowsing rods and I was taking them and just dropping them on the table. And, you know, there was 20 people there in Jeremy, and I took them, and somebody handed me my flashlight. And so I looked at it for a second, because I didn't give any flashlights out to anyone, but uh, I just took it and, and uh, collected the rest of the equipment. And, and then I took it, and I, I still was puzzled by it, and I went to put it in my back pocket with my other one. But then I realized that it was so cold. It was, the flashlight actually was freezing. It was like it was ice cold. So I couldn't figure it out, but I know that when I arrived there, uh, the car was my car was by the gate. I opened up my case. I had two flashlights, a silver and a black one. I took the black one out and put it in my pocket, and I left the silver one in my case. So I thought, well, maybe one of the volunteers had taken it out of my case, although it was in my car, and given it to someone. Uh, so I asked. I said, who handed me the flashlight? And nobody said anything. And I said, well, uh, who handed me the flashlight? Did somebody give it to you or something? And everybody looked like I was nuts. I said, didn't anybody see anyone hand me the flashlight? And they all said no. So wow. uh, I have no idea how it got there. Um, you know, nobody owned up to it. or You know, it's not like owned up to it. I mean, they were giving it to me. It's not like they stole it or something. Uh, how... Right. Yeah, how and, and it, the thing was, I mean, if you hold a light a flashlight in your hand, it's going to be warm from your hand. If you keep it in your pocket, it's going to be warm the same way. This was ice cold, and I had left it in my car in the case. So it's interesting, and it just showed up there. And the and the fact, you know, there was twenty people there. You think someone would say, "Well, he gave it to you," or you know, like that? Nobody said anything. They all looked like I had was nuts. And yet I ended up with this flashlight that I couldn't have ended up with. And you went and checked, and it was the, it was definitely the same flashlight that was oh, in the yeah. back it's of my flashlight. Yeah, it, there was a set of them, three different ones, three different colors. I gave one to my son, and I kept the silver and the black one. Yeah. Wow. So, so how bizarre is that? I think I was like, I it think sounds like. Amazing. Well, I was, was, was going to say I think that's pretty amazing. It's, it's well, 
I'm sure Lauren yourself will know this. It's what we call an apportation. It's where an object's taken from one location and given to another. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've witnessed that myself. Actually, oh, you yeah, uh, and it's it's a very bizarre thing when it happens. Um, it actually, again, it happened to us at Spirit Quest uh, when we were at Circles. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure we told you it was, it was uh, my wife's wedding ring. Sorry, her engagement ring. Uh, if you remember, we told you about it at the time. And um, but no, I think that's incredible. That I, I like hearing things about that because it's not a hidden figure. It's not someone that you just see at the corner of your eye. It's no phenomenal like that. You've mm-hmm. actually had something physically placed in your hand and you saw it coming from someone. Right. But but no one could tell you who did it or no one there claims to have had it. So there's there's no rational cause there. Yeah. Unless you've got a couple of people just trying to, you know, have a laugh with you, let's pretend we didn't do it, which would why I don't know, but I really don't think that was your case there. It sounds as though you've actually had either something or perhaps spirit themselves come up and just give you this as proof for yourself. See, the, the interesting thing about it, Stephen, is that it was someone handed it to me. It's not like they put it on the table. I yeah. took it out of someone's hand. So that that's a, another interesting point as well. And and no one, you know, I mean, the, like I said, the, the flashlight was in my case, in my car. So yeah. it's 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 kind of strange that it would end up, would end up there. And I asked the volunteers as well, and nobody said they touched it. As there was only two of them, so I mean, so, so what, what was it you saw on? Did, did you actually see the hand presenting it to you? Was yeah, it, you did know, it come from behind you or to the side? No, it's right in front of me. Right. But okay, I was but, I was looking down because it was yeah. a table, a card table, and I was putting taking them out of their hands, and you know, because everybody stuck their hands out there and were handing yeah, them. Course, so yeah. I took it and put them down. I said thank you when it was taking it down. And then when I got it in my hand, I just looked at it and I thought it was so bizarre. But I never looked up. Um, ah, right. Just, okay. Okay. You know, I just just yes. it's kind of yes, stunning. Yeah, you're busy doing things. You don't yeah. think of it at the time. Yeah. I oh, know it's odd, but. Like I said, well, maybe you know somebody had, had, had handed it to him, you know, because I like it says I, I I don't know, and and then when I went to put it away and I realized how cold it was, that was the the second thing that did it, and then enough that I pulled it back out to to say you know ask if who handed it to me. So, I mean, it, to me it was I I can't explain it. So it's it's. Uh, uh, it's right up there, and, and like I said, things have been getting really, really strange uh, on these tours. I, I, I feel that there's someone there who's trying to uh, absolutely uh, well, get I mean, my attention for some reason. I mean, yeah, well, obviously you're a friend of the lighthouse. You're there all the time, and, and any spirits that may be there are very familiar with you, so they think of you as a friend, and they know that you're there to help, not to you know hurt anybody. So it's, I bet you you've just created this rapport with the spirit world that resides at the lighthouse. And oh, there's, there's the music, so we, we have to take a break. You have to ha- hang okay. on. You're listening right. to Ghost Chronicles International with Laura Worcester, Ron Kolick, and our special guest, Stephen Scott. We're right back on Tojanet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, and beyond.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give the awards to the Parax family. Alright. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so, Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And cemetery tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. And we are back. Usually I was waiting for someone to chime in, but no one's there. He's in Ireland. So you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Ron Cook and my special co-host, Laura Worcester, and my special guest, Stephen Scott. So everybody's special today. We're just special people. Well, well. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I want to get on to Stephen, and, and I, I just want to add one more thing to it. Is is we did a ghost hunt when Stephen Parson was ho- over here at the uh, 
the place as well. And uh, Leslie was was with me, and we did uh, uh, the Ouija board in uh, the fort, and we got made contact with a woman who said she died at sea 84 years ago, and. Um, she actually asked for help, so I'm, I'm wondering if that's the same woman. So curious. So there you go. Anyway, yeah. that's it. Yeah. All right, Stephen, I'm all done. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Stephen. <laughs> well, actually, Ron, I was wondering. You know, when you mentioned you got that torch back, did yeah. you need to use it before no. you go no. home? No. Oh, no. that's in. okay. No, uh, it'd just no. have been interesting if it was something that you did actually need before you got to the car. No, I I, I had the other one. The other one was fine. Uh, the ah, reason I didn't take that one was because the the batteries were a little uh, dimmer than the other one. The other one was a brand new battery that just put in, so that's why I didn't take that yes. one. Uh, but the interesting thing is, I, I really think that you know uh, someone is trying to get my attention, and uh, this was certainly a a good way to make me go hmm. So. Mm. Well, some of the, the most amazing apportations, they seem to be really simple, and you've, you almost miss them at the beginning, and then you start to realize something's just a little bit off there, you know? <laughs> um, I heard a story from, um, I was taking a class with uh, Tony Stockwell one time, he's a, a medium, and um, he was describing how he was on platform at one point at a church, doing um, a, a spiritual church doing um, a demonstration, and there was a bouquet of flowers in a vase behind him, and um, and and the, and, the, and the whole congregation literally saw the flowers lift out of the vase and then drop back down, like mm-hmm. literally. And so it was such a small thing, but it was like, okay, did everybody see that? You know, that kind of thing. And it, but it 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 has a huge impact, though. So it's interesting well, what spirits just- do. Yeah, it's the same as uh, when I did the ghost hunt at the old manse, and I was in front of the uh, the uh, in the store in front of the bookshelves, and thirty five people in front of me, and one of the books come flying off the shelf and right into the crowd. So, wow. So, uh, you know, it's happened a few times, and and you mentioned your your your, uh, your ring, Stephen. You want to tell us that whole story because you yeah, kind of like, sure. What happened, it was the first day that I was at Circles doing private sittings and uh, my wife came along with me and my wife never takes her engagement ring off. She's like me, she's got uh, thick fingers, (laughs) you know, so her rings don't come off without a little bit of heave-ho and a bit of force. So uh, Renee was showing Vary, my wife, around the store while I was doing readings and she looked down and Renee saw the expression on her face and said your ring and she just went yeah and her engagement ring was gone it was completely gone her wedding ring was there but the engagement ring was gone and she she couldn't think she didn't take it off it was there in the morning it didn't come off during the night she doesn't take it off when she goes to to shower or anything like that so it's she couldn't understand where this ring came from and uh, everything wound up. She told me at the end of the night, and I said, "Don't worry, it's okay. We'll find it. In the worst case, we've got insurance. Everything will be okay. We'll get a replacement. That's fine." We went out to the rental car, Ron. Mm-hmm. It was in the driver's well in the rental car. Ah! Wow. Now I had already moved that car at twelve o'clock because I parked in a two-hour zone, and I moved it into the paid car park across the street. Mm-hmm. It was wow. right there, right there in front of us when we got in. And it had been there all day. 
Wow. I mean, that's the stuff that's cool. I mean, you, you, you know? you're trying to think of all explanations. And everybody, if you tell these stories, everybody's a little leery. They say, well, you know, they put yeah. their little thinking caps on and say, well, maybe this happened, maybe that happened. But some of them you just, you just can't explain. I mean, yeah. no matter how hard you try. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I've often joked with Fadi, if, if anyone ever wanted to knock her out and get the rings off her, they'd need to bring a hacksaw. They'd have to remove <laughs> the finger because it's, it's an effort for her to, you know, the rings are really tight on. They don't fall off. You know, they really do not fall off. And um, that, there's no, it, it had to have been taken and put back for whatever lesson, whatever needed to, to, to learn. Very sure it's, it was to teach her to not become attached to things, you know, that nothing's permanent kind of thing. So, uh, but she got it back, it, it appeared back in the most unlikely place. Amazing. Hmm. I think the spirits of Andover were trying to get you to stay. They were saying, come back. Laura, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't tempt us. I would move there tomorrow. It was it's a beautiful place. I, the whole of that area was just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, um, yeah, well, you know. I'd love to have you back. <laughs> I think, I, so I, I think I, I'd like to move to Scotland, to tell you the truth. It's beautiful as well. Yeah, it's just very expensive. Yeah, yeah, well, I just won't bring any dogs with me. I know that's it. <laughs> so, Stephen, um, what is your thought? I mean, I know this is Ghost Chronicles International, but what is your thought about, do you, do you believe that spirits can get stuck here, that they can choose to, to remain here? What, what is your thought on that? I, I honestly believe that spirits cannot be stuck. Yeah. I really do. I do not feel that anything, you can't, in my belief, and in, as a spiritualist as well, and from yeah. experience, I do not believe a spirit can be stuck. I believe, however, that when you pass, if you have a strong enough attachment to a place and you cared a lot about it, it would be well within the realms of understanding that you may want to go back and look at that place and, ex and see how it is, see how it's happening, you know, see what's happening with it. Is it changing? Is it not changing? And just to revisit it, yeah. I can understand that perfectly well because that's, uh, it, and it, it's not a need to go back and be there. Mm -hmm. It's more a, because I, when I believe fully when you pass, the human aspect of ourselves and it is the human part of ourselves that brings, you know, greed, need, want, desire. We don't need, and we, there's, there's no function for that within a spiritual existence. When you get thicker into this existence and you start to bring through evidence for people during sittings, then you have to bring that stuff out. Otherwise, it'll just be this shapeless, nameless non-entity that's floating there. Tell me it's your dad. You know, can you prove right. it's him? No, it's nameless, shapeless floating there. You know, it wouldn't give people any comfort. Right. But um, when, when it comes to actually as a spirit, I mean, when I pass, there's a, there's a lot of places I would like to come back to because they mean a lot to me just to see how things are developing there. You know, to keep a spiritual eye on the place. But it doesn't right. mean I'm haunting it for right. one second. It means I'm just, I'm looking in and it could be that's what's happened with Ron this time. Is it sounds very much like a spiritual airport, as in someone who's there, who maybe spent time in that building, in that lighthouse, has come back, everyone's gathered there and they've thought, what's going on down there? Well, look, they're looking for things. This is really interesting. You know, and it's, it's raising the profile of this place. Isn't that, isn't that lovely? Here, have a flashlight. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just as an extra piece of evidence to keep the, keep the energy and keep the, the focus going. 
Right. You know, right. so it's, uh, I, f- I feel that's happened, but I really, I have never experienced anyone to have a spirit stuck. I've spoken to people who've claimed to have had spirits stuck in their home. I've gone to their home, and I have to say 99.9% of the time, it's the human part of them that's making things up. They're making it fit their own fears, their own insecurities, their own issues. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for us to jump on the, the unseen and the things that we don't understand mm-hmm. and yeah. give, it a, give it a negative label. I, I don't believe that spirits get stuck, but I do believe, uh, I believe tremendously in free will. I think that's the one thing that makes us who we are is our free will, whether it's in this world or the next world. And I believe that some of them... Uh, for whatever reason, don't want to go to that next level or move on or, or give up uh, in this this realm that we're in. So uh, in a way, uh, they're here, but they're here by their own choice. Uh, so they're, they're stuck by their choice, not by uh, any boundaries or anything. That's my opinion, anyway. Yeah, and, yeah that's... And almost that's that's kind of what I'm talking about there as well is that they're, they're not forced into being stuck, mm-hmm. they're choosing to stay here and to watch how things are going. You, you know, watch what? how things develop. Or right. if you're talking about a spirit that would be caught up in its own issues. Exactly. Right. Uh, I, I have to say, hand, hand on heart, one. I've never experienced that. No, that's mm-hmm. just me. I've never experienced that. I've never came across a spirit that's caught up in its own issues. Uh, that, that, that leaves it stuck I'm not saying it doesn't happen it could within the realms of all human capability and spiritual capability I am sure that does happen and is well within the grounds of being able to happen so uh, can, can spirits can spirit and while you're in spirit can you dislike people or even hate people that that are uh, in our realm well, again what I've dis- from my experience I've never came across a spirit that is hateful or negative. I have come across people who produce negative energy that fuels a situation. Mm-hmm. And I usually find that within... I've been on a couple of ghost hunts and one person was feeling all this negative energy and was getting upset and they felt themselves getting attacked. And yes, they were, but they were doing it themselves. They were mm. the ones that brought the negativity in in the first place. And what they were doing is they were having an experience that was spiritual in nature. And for them, it was more important that they go through their drama. Spirit doesn't have drama. There's no drama attached. There's no need for it once you've passed. When you've yeah. passed and you're out of this, it's, it's the human psyche, the human chemistry that creates all this drama. Uh-huh. When you're out, it's not there. Well, yeah. if you if you go to, you know, if you listen to the, the, the major religions, whether it's Buddhism or, or anything, and, and reincarnation, it's all about learning. And if we haven't yeah. learned, then wouldn't we still be here? Well, that's assuming that the lack of learning would prevent you from moving forward. Within mm-hmm. spiritualism, certainly, uh, when you pass you go back into that realm of spirit and you still retain all your knowledge and all the knowledge you've ever accrued and will continue to build upon. When you come back and you choose to come back, you're 
you don't, you're not denied that knowledge. You choose not to have that knowledge because you need to start with a fresh slate to learn new things and to make mistakes. And I believe that's what can lead to, I'm not, not saying this is what harms, but this, from my perspective, I believe this is what leads people to have, for example, psychic situations like deja vu. You also get chemical changes in the brain that causes deja vu and psychological issues that cause deja vu. But sometimes you go through an emotion and a feeling that you've never had before that feels as though it's happened before. And you get different... I'm talking about a kind of spiritual sense of deja vu. I haven't been there before. And it's it's not the same as that, you know, biochemical reaction that can cause it as well. And uh, there's very different ways that that can happen. So, yeah, I agree. It's all about learning. And the, the, the prospect of coming back is coming back to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's why being stuck goes against everything that any religion talks about. Mm-hmm. So, but you said something that, that I'm not really sure I can grasp. So are you saying that the spirit is influenced by the physical and that who we are spiritually can be influenced by our own physicality? No, it's uh, what I mean is, is that if, if you take the spiritual entity that is yourself, Ron, and yeah. you place it in the physical being that yes. is Ron, the physical being that is Ron suffers from heat, cold, exhaustion, right. fatigue, you know, uh, chemical reactions in the brain. It can suffer illness. You know, it understands and it, it feels these emotions on... Because let, let's face it, all most emotions really are, including all the negative ones, are chemical changes and reactions to outside stimuli. When that outside stimuli no longer affects you, if you return to spirit, and that won't be for a very long time, don't you worry about that, but when you, if, if and when you return to spirit, you're no longer going to be influenced by that external stimuli. The, so the you, chemical reactions that happen within a physical body will have no impact upon you. Your spirit is essentially living inside a physical machine. Yeah, I, I get all that, but so it, the, the, the thing is, well, we. so you're saying then... We have no emotions in spirit. We have no need for them. As, so we as have a, no, as we a have, spiritual we have, entity. We don't have love. We don't have sympathy. We don't have the good as well as the bad. No, no. What I mean is, is that it, it's there. It all exists. But there's no need for you to be consumed by it. Uh-huh. It's the human part of us that becomes caught up and consumed by these. All the emotions will exist in spirit just the same as in here, but it's almost like a floating... Again, from my experience, it's, it's a floating series of emotions. The good and the bad are there, but there's no need for them. You don't need them. Whereas when you live a human life, you can't live a human life without emotions. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't not have them. They're there all the time, and therefore everything you do is affected on an emotional level. For example, the question for me that you gave earlier about the bridge, you know, it breaks my heart to think of these animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing that, that's a human reaction. Mm-hmm. The spiritual part of me would feel neither positive or negative, but would recognise the value in the passage and the learning of that action and the impact wow. that action has on the people around about them. Oh, it can, I, it can I, understand both. I, that 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 kind of like I, I'm not sure. I mean, 
what what is the what is the value of the lesson of fifty dogs committing suicide on a bridge? It's not, but it will have meaning to that to the individuals that go through that that choose to do that. Now, perhaps I'm just throwing this up there. Perhaps the meaning of this happening is to expand the awareness of humanity as to a situation that's arising there. Maybe there is something there that can be determined and measured and identified. And maybe that's where it's all heading. Who knows? So the good, the good of the many is better than the good of the few or the one? Quite possibly, yeah. yeah. It's getting all Star Trek now. <laughs> <laughs> now, now Stephen, I wanted to ask you, because I, I, lo- I always love asking mediums this question. Now, uh, obviously, the, the purpose of being a medium is to serve spirit. That's, that's the bigger yes. purpose. But we also have that really? lesson that we, that we learn as mediums as well for yourself. And um, to get really deep now, <laughs> but what is, what is your personal lesson? Like, what, what have you learned about yourself as on your journey of being a medium? Well, that's a great question, actually. Uh, for me, it's, it's taught me that the process from start to finish, as I say, and the way it's all worked out, has taught me that no matter what you do and you perceive yourself to be throughout your life, that you have to be open to change and that you have to be open to the potential and the, the capability that, we're, that each and every one of us has deep down inside, that it's, it's our own thoughts, our own feelings. And again, I'm going to stress this, it's our own humanity that limits the person that we want to be as opposed to the looking inward and finding the strength within the spirit that we truly are. You know, we are spiritual beings living, learning and loving through this human existence. And for me, it's a bit, it's been about transferring that rather than externally. It's about been transferring that internally and realizing that I also need to apply that to my own life for me. Right. See, to me, to, to me, the, the lesson for all of us, and whether you're a medium or not a medium, and, and I don't think that being a medium makes you special, no offense. But it doesn't, uh, you're quite right. Uh, it is the importance of the lives we touch. That is the number one thing, in, I believe, in, as, as beings that is important to us, is really important that we overlook so easily in our lives. Um, we make a, a great impact, even if it's just a little thing, and on people's lives, a, a small gesture here and there, whether it's not even a good gesture or a bad gesture, just a gesture in, in particular, uh, can have a, a uh, what's that, a butterfly effect? Is that the, the yeah, thing, yeah. Lara? Yeah, it has a, you know, it, it affects so many people right down the line. So to me, that that's, that's the journey for us, is, is to realize and um how we affect uh, humanity in, in, as a whole, it, even though we're just a, a mere speck. Yeah, and again, it's, it's another as, uh, vital aspect of being along in this journey. And uh, yes, working for others is an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and is uh, in effect, it's, it's also what I was talking about, Ron, is that we, but we, we also have to be aware of working for 
the spirit within us as well as the spirit within others because mm. otherwise all we're doing is putting it out there and very often I find when people and I know a lot of people that go out and do a lot of stuff but they use that in terms of you know propagating their own importance mm-hmm. whereas rather than looking at the part of them that there's a part of them needs to be fixed and they're ignoring that by doing all this extra stuff you know and it's it's a bit like you know in an airplane get your own oxygen mask on first fix yourself and then take that out into the world mm-hmm. you know and that's what I was talking about there is, is it's, it's, it's important that you learn to look at where you're broken where you can fix yourself and then how that knowledge can be taken out to help everyone else around about you and in that respect I agree completely so it's vital that we do do that the, the other interesting thing I wanted to ask you about is is you've been doing this for a while and, and you, you're part of the spiritualist church and, and you do many uh, galleries. Uh, they call them something different in the UK. But um, what has been the most profound experience you've had during the, one of these sessions, for lack of a better word, a service session, whatever? Yeah. Uh, I'd have to think about that for a second. Um, one of the most profound mm-hmm was, it was one of the again, and I'm sure Laura will appreciate this it it was one of my earlier ones, one of the first ones that I did Uh, and I was working with a lady and the event was on a Friday night it was a charity evening and I was getting ready for it mentally and I, I didn't appreciate that there's getting ready for something and then there's uh, doing it far too early I got a message through three days before it was due to be delivered. <laughs> and I, I had a lady, I'm driving along in my car on the freeway, and, or the motorways we call it over here, and I felt something just settle into my mind. And in my mind's eye, I saw this couple, an elderly lady and gentleman, just sitting down on a chair inside. It's going to sound crazy, in my mind's eye, I saw them sitting down on a chair in front of me. And I thought, oh, this is strange. And I, I, th- I thought, right, ask out, ask out. And I thought, right, okay. And in my mind, I asked, you know, what are you doing? Why are you here? And they said, I'm just getting in line, son. <laughs> and I, I said, it. well, no, you flaming well aren't. You need to leave. I'm not having you kicking around for three days. You know, it's, not, it's not till Friday. <laughs> this was Tuesday. You know, and I was like, can you come back on Friday? Mm, um, and they, they, they actually talked amongst themselves for a minute and we, <laughs> we have a conversation where we call it humming and hawing mm, ha, mm, ha, you know and eventually they went away and sure enough they came back on the Friday and it was, it was a wonder and they brought back a daughter with them who was the sister of the lady that I went to and it, it was such a lovely reading and the information they came through with was was very interesting, very compelling, and it was happening at a point where I needed to find a little bit more confidence in myself. So that has to be one of the most profound ones, where it just, three days before it, they thought they'd pull up a chair literally in my head and settle in. And I thought, no, <laughs> it's not happening. Well, you know, I heard the uh, doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to wrap it up. So, Stephen, uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, it was a good conversation. I, I like to look at the ifs and what's and stuff Absolutely. like that. And, Laura, thank you so much for joining us as well. Uh, okay. Laura, you got anything coming up locally? Uh, 
Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I've got the um, Holistic Fair on, on Sunday. I'm doing readings at the Holistic Fair in Rad- at the Radisson in Chelmsford. Cool. And Cir- Circles of Wisdom, I'm doing readings on Friday as well. So, yeah, that's what's, what's coming up. What about you, Stephen? Anything profound? You moving roads or anything? No, nothing nothing major like that, but I'm doing a lot of charity work for... We've got a local school uh, that has children with special needs, uh, mm-hmm. special requirements and all this kind of thing, so I'm, I'm doing some charity work for them in a couple of weeks, you know, and I've also been doing work to get money for the food banks and all that that are in Glasgow just now, so it's all good. It's all good charity work. Beautiful. All right. So we've we've got to wrap it up. Oh, one quick thing. I had a, uh, Michael Benson on the show, and he does uh, works with the blind. And and uh, somehow I, I thought, how how do the blind have a paranormal experience? How is it different than ours? Do they still is it still visual, or is it or is it different totally? So, uh, any, any quick thoughts on that before we run? I don't see why they couldn't uh, have any sort of clairvoyant thought or be able to feel or sense things just the same as anyone else. Uh, Very often, very few paranormal events are seen, most are felt, so I don't see why it would be any different. Okay, so there's the tunes. we got to say goodbye. So thank you so much for uh, tuning in, everyone, to Ghost Chronicles uh, International right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, and beyond. Uh, and thank you, Laura Worcester and Stephen Scott. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. Oh,